Please keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourselves and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wildly, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we practice sharing personal pleasure details in an effort to connect not just with our lovers, but with lovely humans everywhere, in an effort to get selfish assholes who truly don't give a shit about other people to wake the fuck up so we can make the world a better fucking place. Our guest today is a 32-year-old gay cis male. He has a boyfriend. He's a farmer from Austria. His sexual overview can't be described in just a few words, so we're going to have to talk more about that. Welcome, Daniel. Hello. Hello, Wyo. Hi. Can you please rate yourself on a sexual shame-a-meter, with 10 being the most shame-filled and 1 being like, no, I'm not shamed at all. Where are you today? Yeah, I told a friend of mine about the podcast and that uh, I'm going to be one of your guests. And I told him a lot and also about your shame-o-meter and he laughed and said, <laughs> he said, what shame-o-meter? You mean American or European? <laughs> it's sometimes a little bit different. But uh, I would say, I don't know, zero or one. Great. Usually talking about it, maybe a little bit more like a two or so. Okay. I don't know. And can you just give us a little overview of what your sex life is like right now? Yes, um, I have a boyfriend, as you mentioned, uh, we have an open relationship. So I have to say that we've been in a long distance relationship for four years now and he just moved back to Austria. So it's uh, changing a lot in the last weeks since wow. he's back. But my sex life at the moment, I would say I have a very fulfilling sex life in my uh, relationship and um, um, some, how do you say, friends with benefits. And sometimes I meet new people for fun. Yeah. Amazing. And actually, how is COVID going over there? Are you still seeing people? What's that like right now? Well, I live in the countryside where it's, uh, yeah, we mainly hear it over the news. Yeah. In the, in the cities, it's very different. It, it didn't really affect my life a lot, I have to say. Yeah. Oh. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you can take us back in time to your younger years, when do you first remember hearing about sex or understanding what it was? Yeah. I only realized later on when, when as an adult that I think my parents did a very good job on that because I can't really, I can't really tell. It's, um, I've always known about it as long as I can consciously remember. I think, uh, my parents brought it up um, when I was too young to understand, to avoid this awkward talk about it, you know, mm -hmm. this first first talk about it. Um, so I can't really tell. I, I know when I um, came into kindergarten with four years old, I already, I don't know, understood the basic principles about it. You know, I've, I've experienced in your podcasts that many um, other uh, parents used books as well. I remember one book. Um, with like very childish um, comic like drawings and 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 it explained about you know if a man and a woman love each other uh, and the man puts the penis in the woman's vagina and they have sex and children can come out of that and um, so I, I knew about that when I was um, basically as long as I can remember um, mm. of course as a little kid you don't really have a you don't really understand the meaning of that but but yeah. the basic concept I think I got quite early on and um also, my parents brought up the topic of homosexuality quite early on. I remember when we were, I don't know, 
for example, when we were talking about fairy tales or so, and it's about a prince and the princess, um, they would say like, but it could also be a prince and a prince or oh, something like that. Your parents um, are amazing. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, so so that was also brought up very early on. Um, like it, it wasn't a topic all the time, but it was mentioned sometimes, and I understood that it's an how do you say an option, you yeah. know. What about at school or with your friends? Do you remember talking about sex as a young person at school or with friends? I do, but my sexual exploration started even earlier on. For example, um, in kindergarten, we had this thing that we called, it's, it's hard to translate, but you could probably roughly translate it as uh, being on lookout, okay. meaning we built a big fort of mattresses where the grown-ups couldn't look inside and we were 10 kids sitting inside, boys and girls, and... Uh, getting naked and touching each other um, like very innocently and, and uh, <laughs> Wait, without any gender borders, you know. But Wait, this was at school? Where was this? In kindergarten with yeah. five, six years or so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, and or I, I think in, in English you have the term of um, I'm playing doctor. Do you say it like that? Mm -hmm. Or yeah, doctor games? Or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. We did that early on in kindergarten and I had uh, great luck. To, uh, uh, I, I grew up in a block of houses with many of the kids that I went to kindergarten with. So mm -hmm. when we were about six or so and, and, and too old for kindergarten and starting to go to school, we kind of still kept playing and uh, it went on like that. And you know, there's the time after kindergarten and before puberty when uh, in kindergarten, boys and girls like each other and there is no no boundaries by gender but then before puberty um, at least in my peer group there was a time when uh, boys and girls started to hate each other mm -hmm. before they start liking each other again when puberty starts <laughs> <laughs> and during that time in, in these situations when we um, just played with each other and our and ex started to experience our our bodies i don't know the girls kind of vanished <laughs> and we kept on playing in, in this um, peer group of, of boys yeah so I, I i remember many things of that time can you tell us any specific stories if you want yeah i can um for example um we have this game that we called i have to translate roughly ag again but we called it how do you say prostitute hure and pimp where okay. we were like free free kids and uh one was lying on the belly on the bed and um, the other one was uh, dry humping him, uh -huh. and the third was uh, just uh, sitting there watching. Um, and then we changed. Where did you get the idea? I have no idea. I think that has to be a little bit even before we started watching porn. So yeah, so it can't be that. I can't. I can't tell. No idea. Can you no idea. just for fun? Can you say the name of the game in German? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Freier und Zuhälter. Uh, Freya is a whore, I think. I, I'm yeah, not sure if that's the I word. Don't um, I just love it. I uh, love hearing it. Um, Zuhälter is a pimp. Zuhälter. Yeah. Okay. Der, der. I'm guessing der Zuhälter. Der Zuhälter. Yeah, always. Okay, so do you remember emotionally how that game made you feel as a kid? Yeah, it was very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I remember that. What I can clearly recall is that there was not, not really more attached to that. Like mm -hmm. we knew it's uh, something that you probably don't discuss with the adults. Yeah. It's a bit of a secret, but it was in a time 
of our lives where we were too young to really feel a lot of shame about it or so. For example, we were later on, this was not, of course, six years or so, but, but later on as, as, as kids, I, I can't really tell you an age, about 10 years old or so, we started to give it each other blowjobs mm. or try at least, you know, as, a, as good as... <laughs> and, um, and what I can really remember about the time is that it was not really connected to shame because we haven't been socialized into this part of sexuality already. So it was really very innocent exploring. And also what I find really cool is that many of the friends that we did that with today are identifying as straight. Mm. But I think it's just an age in your life where you just experiment and don't really have those boundaries. Uh -huh. Yeah. Like you don't have this instinct to say, oh, no, I can't do that because that's not my identity. Yeah. You just, you just, yeah. And um, I'm really happy that it happened that way because I've been socialized into sexuality with this uh, very innocent, playful approach yeah. that I couldn't really relate to in my teenage years and early 20s, probably, because uh, then there's a lot more pressure to, to I don't know, identify who you are and, 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 and fill up a role or whatnot. But now, later on, uh, being more mature, I would say, I can still relate to that more. Yeah, can still recall this uh, innocent approach. And, and so I can also today really like, like very playful, just exploring without having to get anywhere or oh. something like that. Awesome. Yeah. When did you start touching yourself? Mm, that's a very hard question. Really? Um, almost as long as I can remember, probably, yeah. but it was not really perking off. But yeah. I can remember, for example, I, I would describe myself today as a very sexual person. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that started very early on. For example, I can remember that as a kid, I have to, it was kindergarten time, so four to six years. I know that I really like to play with my wiener, not jerking off, but just play with it, you know. And I did so in, in, in on the sofa in the living room um, uh, when watching TV and so. And I remember my parents saying, like, it's okay if you play with that. Uh, uh, but, you know, if guests are over or if we are in public, probably don't do that. <laughs> and <laughs> Your parents are awesome. I think because you don't have to tell them not to because the shame comes later on automatically. Yeah. Yeah? So <laughs> yeah. you don't have to teach that. Yeah, it will happen anyway. So I remember I started, you know, just playing with myself and just discovering, oh, there's this um, penis. I can, you know, just um, wiggle it around and I don't know, <laughs> play with my balls or whatever. Um, I had that very early on. Um, I can't tell you when I really started checking off i guess it just mm -hmm. kind of developed you know yeah. um can you tell us a little bit about how you like to jerk off now like what techniques do you use what do your balls feel like like just tell us a little bit give us an introduction to your penis please uh yeah i can i don't use loop or spit i know many people i like um uh, sensations on my uh perineum and my balls i really love uh, ball play um, also in sex, but also when uh, jerking off. So I'll usually use my left hand to touch my perineum or my balls or um, just use my uh, the fingers of my left hand as like, like a cock ring, you could say. Cool. Yeah. And use my right hand to, to jerk off. I really like to, to have long sessions if possible. I mean, if, if work makes it impossible, I can have, you know, like in a relationship, sometimes you have... Uh, 
really good long sex. Sometimes you have quickies. The same is with jerking off, I yeah. think. Yeah. Usually, even if I have a lot going on at work, if it's not really a very stressful period, I like to, I don't know, jerk. I think I jerk off about an hour a day or so. Amazing. And, oh, that's amazing. And uh, I really like to, 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 I don't know, make a ritual out of it. Like I, yeah, tell I prepare it. one or two rings. And, yeah. Uh, Are you usually in the bedroom or is it different locations? Tell us, the, paint the whole picture, it's, please. It's different locations. I, I like to prepare one or two drinks or, or um, if it's weekend, maybe roll a joint or so. Really prepare everything in, up front um, so I, I, I am not disturbed and can take my time. Usually it's in the living room, often with my computer and porn, but not like... I usually have visual simulation, but it's uh, often it's not porn. But I also like to, um, you know, watch the videos I made of myself and, yes. and, and people I met or my boyfriend. Fuck yeah! And I love uh, sexy texting and 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 you know sending sexy pics and videos back and forth. And and so, um, like I said, I usually have a few friends with benefits at the time, as many as time allows. Usually, time and work is the. Mm -hmm. is, is, is the big factor here yeah, yeah then um, I like to send uh, sexy pics and videos back and forth and I use them a lot and if I'm I'm really horny I give friends uh, I have uh, like I give them tasks of, of what to do and pictures to make for me or something stuff like that if I'm really horny and I'm in the mood for that I'm like, you go do that <laughs> that's really horny I like to use that also yeah oh that's amazing so yeah. This seems like an appropriate time to just sort of, I heard you talk about giving orders to a friend with benefits. So is there a kinky side to you? Well, I would say yes, um, but <laughs> um, I don't know. It's not very easy for me to, to put myself on a, on a BDSM or kinky scale. Um, I don't know. It's a bit dif difficult for me because uh, on the one hand side, I love dominant and wild sex and kind of a thumbs up relationship. But my focus lies more on puristic and, and, and wild and animalistic um, energy flow and role difference. And, um, but I love to put people into subspace with uh, my body and my energy. So um, some things like, I don't know, too much toys or planning the scene up front um, can be very distracting for me. So... Some of the things that are very often connected with BDSM are just not really for me. And since I'm not really into the scene, uh, I'm not really part of, of the scene. So it's not easy to say if, if, I don't know, the sex that I'm into is BDSM or not. Mm. I mean, it feels like that to me. Can you tell us what your idea of BDSM sex is and the parts that maybe you don't connect with? Because a lot of our listeners are not kinky and don't know anything about BDSM. Yeah, well, I would. I feel like I'm very kinky, but BDSM is something that I, I learned of what it is. And I don't know, as a child or young teenager, and it always in my head it was like um, I don't know, like bondage. I can I can love bondage, but it can be very sensual, so it doesn't really have to be very energetic, even mm -hmm. like tying down and a lot of whipping and stuff like that. Yeah, and I I can like that, but it's never a leading role in the scene. Yeah. So. Got it. So these are the ideas that I had for a long time about BDSM. Mm. And a lot of that is just not really for me. So I don't know. But yeah, many other things I can identify with a lot. So it's, I think it's, it's a bit of an arbitrary differentiation if you like power play or BDSM or if you're kinky. And, and it's, um, I don't know, the, 
the differentiation is very difficult. Yeah, yeah, but that's also why we have to talk about it because yeah. I have an idea of what I think BDSM and kink is based on my limited experiences. And I'm learning with each new dom I talk to that I actually have to be like, wait, what's your definition? Yeah, yeah, I can understand that because it's, uh, it's uh, for me, it's very difficult. If people ask me if I'm into BDSM, I'm like, um, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell. It would have to be a very long discussion to yeah. really say. Um, uh, but yeah, many things that are, I think, that are part of the BDSM culture, I, 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 I like a lot or just, or they just happen a lot. Mm -hmm. Let's say it like that. Can um, you give us a couple examples? For example, I can like to be in control of many things in sex. So I would often not allow guys to uh, jerk off or even touch their cocks without uh, clear permission. Uh, and it's part of power play and it's you know in in the in this play and in these roles it's hot to say uh, i don't know stuff like you would come too quickly so you just better don't even touch yourself mm -hmm. and also it's hot because then i can time their orgasm now and uh, most people most guys uh, can usually once they came it's uh, hard for them to get fucked so it's, if i time their orgasm uh, we can go on longer usually wow um, and for, or stuff like that, or I don't know, I need to, you know, I would say the typical stuff that is for me is just hard sex and doesn't have to do much with BDSM, but other people would see it totally differently. Like, I don't know, spit or dirty talk or spanking, or I, I love um, piss, piss, oh, piss play, do you say it like that? Mm -hmm. and yeah. And, and I don't know, many stuff like that. And also, yeah, in dirty talk, um, titles and stuff i um, i like to um not talk about it up front because it's so hot if it comes up naturally and i quote unquote earn my title or oh. i just see what comes up and i naturally go with that so usually i don't i don't um i don't uh, talk about it up front but um, stuff like uh daddy or master comes up quite often or um another one that is german and close to impossible to translate but it's um deck hangs meaning something like uh um start horse okay bre breeding stallion i yeah. don't know like if you have many horses the one yeah. male horse that you think is the strongest and so you use it for breeding so, so. Uh, it's it's hard to translate um wait can you say uh, it again deck hangs deck hangs deck hangs yeah more i don't know i'm into animalistic sex a lot mm -hmm. so so i don't know it's uh, it's maybe not a coincidence that animal names come up a lot like i don't know from from bull to wolf or tiger and, and many, yeah. many 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 things have uh, came up but maybe it's coincidence but to me it, it, it makes sense a bit i don't know yeah. i i have a very strong connection to nature and um i don't know i think uh, one can see that in my everyday life so in my house uh, communication happens a lot by I don't know, growling, meowing, stuff like that can happen. And That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, I'm probably the fastest person you ever talk to uh, running on all fours, like a dog or a horse. I'm really oh, fast. Oh, really? That way. And um, I love to, like, it doesn't even have to be in sex, but I love to, like, uh, if I meet my boyfriend after uh, being um, separated for some time, I love to run on all fours to him and knock him over like a big dog. And oh, my God, that's so like that, cute. You know? um, and uh, in, I mean, it doesn't happen often, but I'm sure it has happened several times during sex that I just found myself on top of somebody with yeah. my teeth around their neck. 
growling, stuff like that can happen. Okay, so, so I wanted to ask you, what animal do you feel like, in just in this moment, represents your sexual self the most? Uh, a wolf. Okay. Oh, I love that. Sexy wolf. Uh, <laughs> um... Yeah, um, but other stuff that is, um, I don't know, that many people listening to your podcasts, that many people that are into BDSM, for, for them it seems to be, I don't know, very natural, comes very unnatural to me. So in, in some ways I think I'm, I'm less kinky than many other people. Mm. I have some areas in which my limits are reached quite easily. Mm. Like I love a strong dom-sub relationship. But many stuff during sex that other people really enjoy can seem like not like play, but like real violence to me. I don't know how to explain, but I, I worked as a bouncer in a techno electro club in Vienna for some time. And before I took the job, I promised myself to never hit anybody mm. and never be hit, of course, myself. Yeah? And I've been in quite a number of fights and many guys tried to hit me, but I, I managed not to receive a single blow. I had to... Um, to hit one guy, but it was really like the last option that I had in that situation. Um, I was really, I don't know, pushed to my limits and had no other choice, I, I feel. Mm. I don't know. I think I can have a, sometimes a violent character in a way that, I don't know, I, I think I often lashed out as a kid and stuff like that. And it was some work for me to find a healthy and a, um, professional approach to violence and self-defense. And... Uh, it was some work for me, and I'm very happy where I am right now. But um, it's just for me during sex stuff that other people enjoy, and they, um, I'm not judging anyone. They shall enjoy it. But um, um, uh, stuff like impact play or knife play, is, I don't know. It just feels odd to me, and it's it's a very hard limit for me. Okay. So, yeah. It just doesn't feel like play to me. It's um, I don't know. I love that you're saying that because yes, you can be this really clear alpha male and have limits and i think we don't necessarily talk about all of our limits enough ahead of time and so i just love you for it's saying true. those things yeah and i think it's i don't know for me sex is also like a pressure well sometimes to to get to find a healthy way to get yes. rid of, of overshooting energy or aggressive energy or stuff and um and i think you can have this press well in perfectly fine without using this types of play, you know? Um, I have a question about that because I think of it similar, but I also feel like when it's really good, it's like I'm releasing some energy and then I'm gaining new energy. So it's like an energy flush or revamp or something because I do feel like exhausted but energized after yeah, a really good... Yeah, Does that totally. make sense? Yeah. So yes, it's, I, feel, I feel like it's like... Same way. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, But it's like, I don't know, in everyday life, you build up energy that has a lot of tension usually, you know, yeah. In, yeah. in your business or work life and stuff. And you can release that. And afterwards, you're, I feel very ener energetic, but in a very relaxed kind of way. I don't know. So it's, it's it changes this uh, tensed up energy with a very new and fresh and relaxed one. That's, yeah. I don't know, I would say. And... um. I, I love that you used the word alpha male right about now, because uh, I would love to talk a bit about power play and what gay power play can mean to me. And uh, I don't know if you remember what I said, that I can get a bit shy talking about sex sometimes, and especially uh, power play is something that uh, I um, easily feel a bit, I don't know, it can feel a bit odd talking about it, especially with people I don't know so well, because I don't know, it feels like it's easily misunderstood because I'm afraid that it will sound odd or, or 
or like bragging or like I'm an asshole or something like that. And it's, uh, I don't know, uh, during sex, I can see things or I like things that are, that would sound very odd to me outside of sex. I don't know. As you said, alpha male, it's, um, how can I say? I think um, most men consciously or unconsciously when they meet other men can have this uh, moment of checking the other guy out a little bit and seeing who quote unquote um, registers higher on this um, uh, masculinity scale or masculinity hierarchy it's i mean some guys have it more than others obviously yeah. but i think you you will find it very hard to find a man that doesn't know the feeling yeah in this uh male hierarchy it's, it's it's very fun for me to use that in, in 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 sex as play and as power play and uh to i don't know subdue another man and make them worship my again quote unquote superior masculinity yeah. whatever that means yeah <laughs> but, um, and uh i don't know um and to call them a slut or a pussy boy or a faggot or whatnot and to show them that I'm the alpha male around here, yeah. And it, it can be really fun and bad, but I don't know. The, outside of sex, I really like partners that I can be totally on the same level. And I even need that, you know, like, I, I don't know, being real bros outside sex or something like that. And anyone would use the, the word alpha male to describe themselves in a normal situation. It would really sound very cringy and odd to me. Mm. So that's why it sounds very odd talking yeah. about it outside of sex, yeah. And obviously, it's just kind of power play, but it can be really hot for me because, I don't know, I think men are under so much pressure to fulfill these larger-than-life gender stereotypes. And um, if you really use those stereotypes to, I don't know, consciously not ful fulfill them, I don't, I don't know if you understand what I mean, uh, that can just be so hot and, yeah. and, um, and it can be decided really for people and it's so hard to support the situation or to create the space where this can happen yeah we have a word i think you probably where it's like subverting the expectations so it's sort of like you go mm. in and, and flip it a little bit you're like using it consciously and then you're sort of like yeah but i'm gonna fuck with it on purpose yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and many guys do that and and i really um i don't know i don't know i love it it can be so hot and i think um guys that wouldn't identify as strictly gay um love to do that hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that's a, a funny detail i don't know i think i don't know about 30 percent of at least of the guys i have sex with are not get, wouldn't identify as gay oh do they identify as bisexual or do they identify as like straight-ish but experimenting both both um and um i don't know um, if you look at the at statistics and the how you say the kink the kinky report the kinsey report yeah 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and, and if you look at the numbers i think um one of the last really big taboos in in, in in sex today in western society is men having sex with men yeah. um, and and i think uh people that are gay are actually the minority maybe even i don't know so that's a very big taboo and uh, and it, it can be but people just love to you know uh, sometimes just take a break of their their normal selves and, yeah. and do something different and it's um and that's that's very hot for me yeah so uh, i don't know it, it can be really hot if you fuck a guy that nobody knows that they are into guys sometimes yeah. and, and and if you are in bed with a guy and they are really submissive but outside you know they're the college dude that all the guys look up to and all the girls want to sleep with that's really hot yeah but, uh, 
that's yes. a real term. <laughs> uh, okay, so can you tell us a little bit about your first explorations with partners? I can't really pick out the first time because it, it just um, developed. We had this uh, peer group of friends where we were, we were exploring and playing a lot. And it kind of became more and more mature over over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were making doctor plays and 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 being on lookout in the kindergarten, and and later on started to to play more and more. And I think it has to be around the ages of of um, twelve or so that we started to watch porn together and started to give each other blowjobs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like just physically was the first time in another man or boy at the time with 13 or so but it's you cannot really call that sex it was so it just developed more and more from there on and I can't really tell when I had my my, my first time I remember mm. that this peer group of friends started to dissolve at the ages I don't know 15 16 or so when most people found their identity in a way and and most of them uh, identified as straight so this kind of stopped at this time and I maybe had a dry spell for two or three years or so before I started uh, dating on my own, you could say. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if, if I could say my first encounters then have really my first time or so. Yeah, I think that gives a pretty good overview, though. I would just love to hear a little bit about how you thought about your teenage sexual self or kind of what you were thinking about in that time. And at what point did you realize you were gay or decide you were gay or however you want to language that? I think I felt more drawn to other boys very early on. I would say at the time, you know, like I said, at the age of, I don't know, eight, eight to ten, the girls and the boys kind of separated mm -hmm. because they didn't really, they started to hate each other actually at the, for, for a few years only. <laughs> but at this age, it's, I think it's very typical. Yeah. And I never really thought about it. I knew from growing up that being gay is, like I said, an opportunity or, or, or an option. Yeah? Yeah. Um, but I never really thought about it a lot until the girls came back in the peer groups and most of my friends started to having their first experiences with girls. And at that time, I realized that it's just not too much for me. Or not. You know, as a teenager also, I think uh, you have to learn communication with the other gender again because it's just different because so many things changed in the last years. And so it was just easier also, I think. I realized that I'm more attracted to boys at that time. I don't know if I really identified as gay because I just really didn't think so much about it at the time. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever try fooling around with girls? Yeah, several times, not in the early puberty, um, but I've had some experiences with girls or women as a grown-up, more like like petting. Mm -hmm. What I experienced a bit, it's very subjective, but uh, I, I have the feeling that, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I still have uh, sometimes this very innocent, playful approach to sexuality. Yeah? And um, I think at least in some meetings that I had with uh, girls or women in my life, um, it was a little bit overwhelming because I was not pushy at all. And I was like, it's really interesting for me. We can carry on, but we don't have to if you don't like. Or <laughs> It's really just my opinion. I, I can't really tell if that's true. But uh, I, I had the feeling that um, uh, women are often not used, that men are, are, are um, like that and um, just like very playful and not pushy at all. And I think it sometimes destroyed the mood a bit. Yeah. I feel I can relate to that very much because I'm sort of like, hi, I like most of you, like, 
I would like to have sex with. I know it's not a good idea to have sex with everybody, but like I'm, I'd be down if that's. Do you want to? But like I do care, but like I don't care too much. Like you know, and so I feel like I sometimes can't find the right amount of desire, and I'm either like overwhelming people or they think I'm not interested enough, and really I'm just trying to like adjust to their desire because I'm such a sexual person. I don't know if that yeah. resonates, but um, it resonates a lot. It's it's like um we can experiment if you yeah. are up. Yeah. You don't have to though, and then um that's um that I don't know that didn't work out one or two times. I've um, um <laughs> yeah pretty i played around a bit let's say it like that okay uh also earlier you said being gay was an opportunity and i think that's actually totally accurate you know you corrected yourself yeah. and said possibility but yeah, i want to say it's more just me thinking out loud but i actually do think being gay is an opportunity because like you have the opportunity to directly approach people you want to fuck in a lot of ways maybe not always but i think I get the sense, and maybe it's different where you are or, or your personal experience is different, but I get the sense that gay men specifically, I don't have enough experience personally with gay women, but there's an ease in approach or like there's a welcome in direct sexual approach. Would you say that's your experience? It's absolutely the main kind of approach, I think. Um, I think yeah. it's maybe it's a generation thing also, but in my generation, I think gay sex moved uh, away a lot from gay bars and stuff like that into the internet. Yeah. Um, and there, so um, there is like, I don't know, you can have um, sex like ordering a pizza, kind of. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like, what are you, you have time? What do you like? Okay, let's go. Um, it was very easy to have sex like that i have no idea when i had my first um date that um, from um, um from one of the apps or websites at the time because yeah. there were no apps at, i don't know 17 18 or something like that mm -hmm. and um it was very easy to get quick sex and so that was um also uh my introduction to dating then mm -hmm. because i can remember that in school you know when all the straight People in school started to have their first relationship experiences um, when you're just watching that from the outside, so to say. It seemed really dumb and childish to me, you know, people were coming together. There was lots of drama and two weeks later they broke up and it was like that all the time. And I was like, okay, this is just, this is just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't experience it yourself. If you have an outside approach to it, 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 it's it's really strange. And so I thought for a long time, I was like, okay, I'm not a relationship person because that's just really not for me. That's really. And so um, at the time I had a lot of, yeah, quick sex dates. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There were many factors influencing me at the time um, that I uh, still can recall. I mean, I think um, teenage years are uh, a little bit of a, crisis phase in everybody's life i can imagine i, I remember that there were many emotions and different approaches kind of touring uh, me in different directions mm -hmm. uh, everybody experiences insecurities in, in teenage years and it's uh, a lot about finding who you are by just trying different approaches out and, and seeing what works for you yeah, you know how they say uh, monkey see monkey do i think uh, humans are just monkeys and we just copy behavior that we see and try if it works for us and stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah uh, i think a lot of my uh, teenage sex was uh, and, and and early 20s uh, sex was a bit suboptimal because i don't know i um in a way i could really identify with uh, this um masculine energy that I felt in me and that I saw in, 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 in the outside world and in media and whatnot. But of course, um, uh, and also I got socialized um, 
like that a lot. So, for mm. example, I've been uh, in the army as a soldier, and in, in, I did an officer's school in Austria, in the mm. um, Theresianische Militärakademie. Uh, to give you a cultural reference, I think the same institution in the U.S. is called West Point. I'm not sure. Where did you uh, masturbate? Hardly. There's not enough energy you have left to masturbate. Really? <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, okay. really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of us were losing five kilos in a week. Oh so my it's, gosh. Uh, you don't, have, you don't so, have the energy to masturbate usually. Okay. Uh, not a sexy environment. Got it. A lot of hard work. Not a sexy environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sex and stress don't mix too well. Like if you have a very stressful time in your life, usually you don't have so much sex. And uh, I played rugby in our youth national team. And, and so I got socialized a lot with this uh, typical, you know, alpha male stereotypes that I, um, I don't know, I can uh, relate to this energy a lot. But of course, if you're a teenager and you just learn it, um, then of course you just, I don't know, probably do it in a very unhealthy way. Or I'm, I don't know, I think I've been... Uh, <laughs> The term, English term for it would be fuckboy for some time. Mm. Um, and, Wait, you were and, a fuckboy? Um, yeah, I think you were. that's where, like I fucked around a lot and, yeah. um, and um, uh, had a lot of experiences. And I, um, I think um, I've been, I don't know, not, not very um, gentle, consent orientated and whatnot. Um, I, you know, you, you grow as human beings. I'm not really proud of everything that I did. At least at the time, I think I learned the craftsmanship. <laughs> <laughs> because um yeah i had a lot of experience um at the time and um and you know i think um i think it's the same for many males if i talk to friends of mine uh, now uh, about our formative years i think a lot of it um is kind of to prove yourself and you know as a teenager you experience insecurity and uncertainty about your sexuality and what to do in bed and whatnot it's your first yeah. experiences and all that and I think that men tend to play over these insecurities by like overperforming, mm. porno posing, you mm -hmm. could say. And I'm sure I did that as well. Do you have a sense of what you were seeking sexually during those different years? Or, and maybe it changed. Like I remember my young self being 17 and then 18 and then 19 trying to have sex. I just wanted to feel what it felt like, but I wanted to feel what it felt like with somebody who I knew would, would help me have a good experience. So I had this specific thing I was searching for. And then after I had sex a couple times, I was on a hunt for sex with someone who wasn't going to get too clingy, but who could help me practice. And I didn't really find that for a while, you know, and then I was like, now I want a boyfriend because I want to practice a lot and I want to see what it happens like with feelings. Do you remember kind of any of your sexual goal progressions or how did you think about it if it if it's not at all like that? Um Oh, that's a tough question. Um Or were you just trying to fuck? About that for a, for a lot of people are just I trying to fuck. I think I just tried to fuck. I can <laughs> I like I know that Great. at the time I um, I thought relationships are uh, these uh, childish, childish things that I see the other kids at school doing that I cannot really relate to at all. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I, kn I knew at the time, I don't want that. <laughs> and um, uh, But, um, um, you know, I love orgasms and I love sex and, and jerking off and I want to have that. Yeah. And um, I think I, 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 I already felt... Um, 
I don't know, dominant energy in me, but but not really having the tools to 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 uh, put that into reality in a, in a good and healthy way or whatnot. And so I was just experimenting a lot. You know, just finding yourself um, through, and I, I'm a very forward guy, and so if I want to find something out, I just go out and do it, and then I later say, okay, well, this was good or bad, or let's see. Um, and so I, I, I did that a lot just to just um, see how it is and carry on from there on. Yeah. Okay. That's, um, that was a little bit complicated for me also because um, I think uh, I think kids today grew uh, grow up very different. But I remember in the 90s um, when at the end of my teenage years, I started to think more about it and maybe identify myself as gay. It was very hard to find good male idols in general, but especially gay male idols in the 90s. Uh, you hardly saw gay people in, in, in media. And if yeah. you did, they were um, like this stereotypical effeminate gay yep. people. Like, I mean, if people are like that, more power to you. And it's really cool that today you can be like that more than you could in the 90s or even further back mm -hmm. but um, um, it just didn't really resonate with me so it was more confusing than helping because yeah. I was like okay if, am I like that now I don't really feel like that how is it that was confusing a bit I'm, I'm really happy that today uh, uh, I think people have more um, a broader variety of, of of idols that they can look up to probably for example i was really uh, i was really happy about um neil patrick harris uh, yes. coming out yeah and, <laughs> and it was so funny because my, my many straight friends and me were like but but i don't know he's such you know he's such a cool guy and he's so you know like yeah this uh, in, in the series that he played in he's is this cool fuck boy getting all the women and, and how can he be gay? And I was like, yeah, you see, you know, people can be gay and be like that, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously it's a role that he played, but uh, I was really happy about that. Or um, what I was also really uh, making a big party about was uh, Deadpool. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw the movie. Yeah, but I did. I think that's a really cool male idol in a way that he's really masculine and, 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 and very strong and good looking and the hero of the story, but also... He's uh, coquettish and flirtish and sometimes, uh, you know, um, plays a little bit feminine and he loves to get pegged by his girlfriend. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's so cool because um, uh, when uh, I grew up, and maybe it's just my subjective um, point of view, but I had the feeling that um, male idols were more like the James Bond kind of guy, mm -hmm. you know, never showing any weaknesses, getting all the women, being really cool all the time. And um, that's a lot of pressure also. But, um, and another thing was that I was in Austria's democratic socialist youth uh, as a teenager. It's like a left-wing uh, political youth organization. And we talked a lot about uh, feminism at the time, mm -hmm. which uh, in a way I'm really happy about that because uh, it really made me uh, think about things that I probably wouldn't have thought about otherwise. Or um, Can you think of a couple of those things, examples? I don't know. I learned a lot about gender theory in general and about, um, I don't know, sexual and gender identity of people being much more fluid than I knew before. I also learned a lot about my role as a, as a cis male in, in society and uh, uh, started to reflect a lot about that, which was a very helpful thing. Uh, and I'm really glad about that. And it formed me as the character that I am today a lot, I think. Mm. 
probably started to think a lot about how much space I, I, I use up in in uh, uh, public or in, in you know group discussions or whatnot. How how much I talk compared to others uh, mm -hmm. or um, it's it's not even about sex or gender, but you know I'm I'm in a very extroverted person, and how much probably I just talk over people that are more introverted and don't give them the space. Uh, so it helped me a lot with that. But as a teenager, it was also kind of intimidating because uh, we talked a lot about uh, you know how much space uh, men use up and 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 uh, rape culture and and stuff like that. And it's like I said, I'm really glad about. Um, that I'm really glad it uh, comes up more in our society um, mm -hmm. as a topic that is uh, that people talk about. Uh, um, but as a teenager, for me, it was also a bit intimidating because what didn't happen at the time, I think it happens more now, is that there, there was no discussion at the time about uh, you know a positive form of uh, uh, masculinity. Yeah. For me, it was uh, really hard sometimes to, um, I don't know, talk about rape culture and, and, and men being invasive and stuff like that. And then you go out and um, I, um, what happened all the time when I was still living in the city, now on the country, you know, I live in a very small village, everybody knows everybody, so it doesn't happen anymore because people know me. Um, but uh, in the city at night, uh, women were changing um, uh, side of the street all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was like, uh, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah? yeah. And it was very frustrating. And um, and I think there were um, some form of um, taboos um, with um, dominant behavior and masculinity that I learned at the time that I had to overcome later on also. So um, probably I think my teenage years were a bit confusing because I was um, thrown around between, you know, fucking a lot, finding uh, my place as a as a dominant person in bed uh, um, uh, and um, you know thinking about um, am I gay but that's also you know very um, connected uh, in media with uh, being effeminate and stuff yeah. like that and um, and then having some taboos about masculinity you know and if, and it was a bit confusing yeah for example when you're in a, in a political discussion about rape culture for several hours and an afternoon and you drive home and in the subway you see a cute boy and you would like to dominate that, dominate that guy so much. And and then what am I doing with these emotions? Is it positive? Is it negative? Yeah, Is it sex positive or is it a harmful rape culture? It was a bit confusing for me mm. to say it. Wow. I think I integrated it later on very well because, of course, we have to overcome the patriarchy history of our society but but it doesn't really work well if you don't especially with teenagers with grown-ups if it, it's a different thing but with teenagers it's a bit hard if you say you know this form of old masculinity is bad yeah. but then what's the new form right yeah? if you if you don't if you don't give that with it then it's very hard for teenagers to come up with um with that by themselves you know yeah um, so. well and i think that's such a good point because it is something that so many people i talk to are still struggling with because you know we may or may not have been educated in that way but that's mm -hmm. why i think it's so great that we can learn from each other um, uh, just one more thought to that because um, um that was really interesting listening to your podcast that um, many women uh that you interviewed said that they um found it difficult to 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 um merge their submissive sides um, with their uh, feminist uh, approaches to life. Yeah. 
Um, but but uh, I could, I mean, it's always to say that you're a feminist as a man is, um, but as, as much as you can say that, um, I, I would claim that for myself. Um, and it was very hard to, to, um, to integrate my dominant sides with that also, mm. I think. Uh, dialectic approach between, uh, you know, being taught that uh, being a dominant, strong alpha male is really cool, but also don't be that. And mm. um, it was a bit confusing, just that's Absolutely. We get so many of those mixed messages. And I think what you pointed out is really, really key. And it's something that I talk about with one of my best friends who's exploring his Dom side. We talk about so much. He has experiences and I have experiences with potential partners who say they want to be in this power play relationship, but they he's had women actually ask for no rules or like they don't want to set boundaries ahead of time. So it's this very confusing sort of like, that's not very safe. So I, just... I know that very well. Yeah. Also. Yeah. I think with um uh, in in uh, with um gay men or in gay culture or how you want to say um I think that's more common mm. from just what I I talked to to straight friends of mine I think it's more common uh, amongst gay men that it's also it's always this play with uh, you know it's maybe it's it's a fun part of the power dynamic if you don't set up too much rules up front you know um I, I wonder Which, um, if it's just fear. I wonder if it's the desire for fear. I wonder if it's just fear of creating rules. I wonder if it's fear of taking responsibility. I know that for myself, knowing that I'm not going to be actually harmed is what allows me to relax and have lots of orgasms. I also know a lot of other people, the experience of having the conversation about what they want is so shame inducing that they just mm. would would rather take the risk and get the thrill than to like get clarity that's what i'm trying to shift and i know that not everybody wants that but at the same time not everybody has tried it so they don't necessarily know that's true <laughs> I, I i remember um one specific situation um uh, uh that now that we talk about that uh i've been uh visiting a friend in london who is also a gay top uh, I visited him and we were saying, well, it would be really cool. Let's uh, search online and maybe invite the bottom guy for threesome or so. Yeah. And um, then he went to the gym and he came back and was like, ah, oh, I started writing with this guy that I know. And now he comes over later and I said, well, cool. Show, can you show me some pictures? And he was really not my type. Kind mm -hmm. of. Um, I was like, well, that's a pity, but doesn't matter. You enjoy. And I just... Um, uh, I search online, maybe find something else yeah, mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I started to write with this. Well, I think he was kind of young and maybe not so experienced. So, but um, um, started writing with this guy, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I love dominant tops." And um, and we were ex exchanging uh, some messages back and forth, and um, some pictures also. And um, um, how do you say? Very um, hung built, like uh, well endowed. I don't ah, know yeah. how to say anything. Yeah. Well endowed. And, yeah. um, and uh, he was like, oh, I'm not sure if I can take that. I'm, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. And I was like, Well, you know, if it's really going to hurt you or so, we, don't, we can also always make, make a break. And then he was like, But I thought you're a dominant top. And I was like, Yeah, but I'm not a real rapist. You yeah. Know? And. <laughs> And uh, I don't know, he really was turned off by that. Meeting didn't happen. I don't know. Okay. Uh, um, wow. But uh, sometimes you experience stuff like that, which is always, I think, a very good sign that it's probably not a good idea to meet these people. I agree. Um, agree. 
So um, I talked a bit about my um, formative teenage years and how they were um, interesting, but also uh, confusing a lot. And what also played a very big part in my life a bit later on, I think with 20 or 21, um, is that I had uh, testicle cancer with some, I think, metastasis is the German word. I think it's yeah. the same in English in, in my lungs. So it was uh, not extremely serious, but serious. That kind of rearranged my relationships to everything in my life i guess yeah it was not this cataclysmic event that people often think when you say you ha had cancer that everything changed in an instant um but yeah later on after some years you realize that it was a very important i don't know it's always a very um formative experience uh, to really connect with your mortality yeah. yeah and uh it really helped me a lot over um my socialization in you know rugby and the army and i was a bouncer for some years and stuff like that with this um um stereotypical alpha male roles and stuff like that um because i could really drop a lot of that because you're just very much connected with your weaknesses mm. uh, as a human being if you feel how vulnerable you are you know yeah. and um that was really helpful because it helped me to have a free connection with my uh, masculine and dominant sides you know mm. that you don't have if you try to fulfill a role or pose or whatnot because um that really um stops you from having authentic experiences because uh, you're not even really there you're just playing this role you know earning masculinity medals yeah you know? yeah what was it like fact that you got cancer in your testicles did that feel like an assault on your masculinity or do you think it would have mattered if you'd had cancer anywhere it's, it's really funny because if you had asked me before the cancer i would say well before i let them cut one of my balls off i prefer dying you know <laughs> and, and there's a doctor in front of you saying well if we have to cut one of your balls off and you're like okay what are the other options yeah. they say well you're gonna die and you're okay then <laughs> no, it's a, let's do it. <laughs> it's, it's a very easy decision. So no, it, it was really, um, that's what people ask me. But if that's the options that you have, it's yeah. not a problem at all. That's yeah. very, it's a very easy decision to make. Mm. Yeah. Another thing that I um, think my cancer really influenced me, or I don't know how to say, helped me develop as a person or grow as a person is uh, to uh, also enjoy bottoming insects. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I learned to do it um, without letting it mess with my head or with my self-image, which uh, so it sounds odd today for me that it even did. But you have to remember that I was almost a teenager at the time. Today, it sounds a bit odd that it even did. Um, but, uh, you know, there's this uh, quote that I read somewhere that, uh, you know, if taking up the submissive role for once uh, threatens your self-image, uh, please stay away from me because I'm way too clumsy to be around something as fragile as your masculinity. Oh! <laughs> Wow. Oh my God. It's a wow. funny sentence. Yeah. And, uh, I totally see it like that today, but obviously at the time of finding myself and, and, and I don't know, growing up in many very masculine cultures like the army and rugby and stuff like that, uh, it wasn't uh, easy for me at the time. But I don't know, my cancer really helped me to um, don't to not take my self-image so seriously, if, you, if that makes sense. And um, I don't know. Today I can enjoy bottoming just as much during sex. It's just that 
the chemistry is never really there for me or, or hardly ever. I know that you don't like numbers in your podcast and I can understand because it really doesn't make that much of a difference. But just for scale, I think one of um, 45 or 50 encounters, sexual encounters in my life, I, I, I was a bottom. So um, it, it just never really happens for me. Yeah. Just from, from chemical side, it doesn't. And, but um, sometimes I met um, other guys that usually are only top, and uh, and we were like, wow, really? I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, enjoying each other and 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 totally switching for each other, mm. um, and that all all these um, encounters were really fun ones, and I'm really glad that I opened up to that as well, yeah. so to say. And yeah. I think that my six I also just think the idea of being with someone I guess I have a lot of gay sex fantasies the more I talk to gay people I'm just like you both have the body parts and like strap-ons are great but what I've realized recently for myself is like it, it is the physical tactile sensation that I just love so much you know and I, I can experience that through condoms safely but I just think it's so cool like the idea of you being able to switch with a partner, do you switch in the same session or is it like, have you done it back and forth or does that really happen? I, I, I don't have a lot of experience in that, but um, just love the idea. usually not in the same session, I would say. Oh, yes, uh, in something. the same session. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. But, um, that's really something I don't have too much experience with. Um, I, just I can I really option. enjoy it. And every time I, I met someone where it worked like that and yeah. we, we, we switched for each other, it was really hot. But yeah, I think the, the, the possibility that uh, at least theoretically, potentially, both could be the top in a situation is, um, is, is, is very important for male gay sex and the dynamics around it. Um, yeah. For example, um, the dynamics are usually totally different if, if, uh, if I meet someone where the roles are pretty clear up front. I don't know, a guy yeah. that is, um, I don't know, younger, maybe much more introverted and, and, and shy and, and, and like a cute guy and, and, and not very masculine from the outside. I really, I, I find it hard to even use the word masculine and feminine for somebody because like, what does yeah. it mean? But, um, yeah. uh, but you know what I mean? Yeah? yeah. And the dynamic is totally different if, if I'm with another guy that, um, I don't know, is um, fulfills many of the cliche male things like yeah. uh, being strong and stuff like that. I don't know. The, the dynamic is very different. Yeah, totally. so. uh, did it hurt? How did you find out that you had it? Like, did you feel something, or was it? Uh, thanks, thanks for asking because it's very important to tell people. I yeah. think um, because it's very easy to find out if you have a little bit, um, I don't know, um, a sense for your body, or if you mm -hmm. just check it out every once in a while. I had great luck because it was already far spread. Um, and um, I hurt myself doing uh, um, like a uh, uh, physical workout, mm -hmm. and uh, one of um, my nerves in the back got I don't know, got hurt. I, I don't know the pinched. correct English. Probably a pinched, pinched nerve. Thank you. Yeah, it was pinched exactly. Yeah. And um, it was the same nerve that your testicles um, are connected to. So they started hurting, yeah, like oh. my back did. And that's um, why I started to check them out more. I'm like, damn, they're hurting. Is something wrong down there? And then I started to touch them. And then, uh, and, and, and then I felt that on one of uh, my, my balls, there was, um, it was like a, I don't know how to describe it better than like a little tower, mm. uh, a few millimeters high, mm -hmm. uh, one or two millimeters broad. But it was um, like a, really like a little tower. It was very hard if you touched it. 
it didn't hurt if you don't touch it. The 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 pain just came from my pinched nerve, which was great luck, I have to say. Wow. Um, uh, uh, and but if you touch this little, yeah, um, uh, structure, um, yeah, like a cylinder it, or whatnot. It's a it's a if lump you, if it's cancer. In English, we always call it a lump if it's cancer usually. But I love tower also. Yeah, it was it was literally a bit higher than broader, and it was um, um, uh, it was like a cylinder or whatnot. <laughs> and um, if if I touched that, it really hurt. It oh. didn't hurt unless I touched it, but if I did, it really hurt. And it was clearly a structure that was um, not part of the ball, but growing out of it. Mm. So I think if you if you if you just check your balls every once in a while you can get a head start of it yeah, yeah. If, you, if you if you if you if you recognize it early enough i mean i'm assuming did you have to go through chemotherapy and could you have sex while you were yes. getting treated yes. uh no but that's not that wasn't the topic at the time right because you're just exhausted your body's exhausted so your body's exhausted and you just have other things in your mind at yeah. the time uh yeah, yeah. So at the time, not, but it, I wasn't missing it. I was just not, I wasn't really thinking about it probably yeah. at the time. Yeah. How was it post-cancer in your early 20s getting back out onto the dating and sex scene? Um, interesting, um, because, uh, you know, you can have an operation uh, where they uh, insert a fake ball. So you have two again, you know. Yeah. Um, Did you get one? I think it's the same with breast cancer. I didn't uh, immediately. I thought, I don't know, I'll just try it out. You can always do it later on. Mm -hmm. I was really, uh, with all of that at the time, I was really um, heads on about it. Like if people were like, oh, you're bold. You, I don't know, you have a new hairstyle. I was like, no, damn, I have cancer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, uh, very, very open with it. I think I have shocked some people with my openness at the time. This one guy that when I started dating again, you know, there was a lot of chemistry. It was clear that we sexually are really, it works very, very well. We could have had sex at the first date, but there was a little bit more than that. And I thought it's uh, a little bit romantic to wait for the second date. And the second time we met, uh, I really told him very upfront and, and and i think i might have shocked him a bit because we didn't meet afterwards but i was like yeah you know but i have only one ball but it's all right and um it's uh probably i was too open about it <laughs> i i wonder about that all the time because i also scare people away with my openness but some part of me is like well that's fine if they can't handle it or it's you know and maybe there's a better way to say it but maybe that's part of the practice Wait, did you tell him that you had had cancer or did you just start yeah, with sure. talking about yeah, yeah. one ball? Okay. I, don't know. I, I, I think I, we, we started to talk when, I, when okay. I said I had cancer and then that was the logical conclusion of that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I decided later on, like a year later or so, to get the operation to have a fake ball. Mm -hmm. Because I think it, I don't know, it's its very nice to be able to have sex with people uh, without sharing this very important part of your life with them. Because yeah. um, I'm less and less a fan of uh, anonymous quick sex, but um, sometimes it's nice. Mm -hmm. And it's not really possible if people are like, did you have cancer or whatnot? As yeah. You always have this uh, very personal discussion, which, like I said, I'm really open about the topic. I, I talk with uh, people a lot about it. But it's nice to have the option not to do so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's why I have, okay, let's get the operation. Otherwise, it's uh, otherwise you always have to talk about it. So is, what is it like? What does know, it feel I, like? 
It's a bit harder than the other one. I think the operation has not been handled very well because it's also hanging a little bit higher. Yeah. Okay. Both hang at all different heights and lengths. That's and, true. You know? That's true. But the majority of them hang at the same height. I guess I don't pay enough attention to when they're standing up because I'm usually engaged with them when they're like moving around and laying down or maybe I'm kneeling from down below, you know, like, so it's hard to say. I don't think I would notice if balls were hanging at a different height. Cause... Some people, it happened that people were asking later on, like, I'm sorry, it's not personal, but it seems like, I don't know, they're a bit different. Is there something <laughs> wrong with what many people don't even realize it, I think. I don't know. For me, the difference is to feel. It's my body, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. So. Oh, totally. I think it's perhaps the most in important how you feel about it i actually find it a bit sweet that those other people would ask you about it because it's almost like they're looking out to make sure everything's okay in your body you know i find that sweet that's how i interpret it like if a guy was feeling up my boob and he was like hey uh is there a lump like i'd be like oh my gosh thank you for looking out do your erections feel different before and after or can you remember no they yeah. don't okay okay just curious. Also, uh, it's important to maybe um, uh, for the listeners, um, if people are in the same situation or whatnot, uh, the reason you have two balls is so one of them can get lost in the process of your life. <laughs> yeah. It's like kidneys. You have two because it's, uh, it's uh, you know, double redundancy. Mm -hmm. yeah? uh, so if you lose one, you pr produce the same amount of sperm and the same amount of testosterone and everything yeah um, you have two so you can lose one without having a problem yeah. really fun story though when i was uh, in in uh, hospital for um for my operation and everything in the first the first few days were very chaotic and and a lot of things were going on at the same time and uh the doctors um came to me really confused and were like okay um we're not sure, but you might have two different kinds of cancer at the same time, which is very rare. And we don't really think, but um, your uh, level of testosterone is like three or four times the upper limit for healthy people. Usually Whoa. it's kind of wild. And, and usually that only happens when you have this very specific kind of cancer, which we don't think you have. But it's the only real reason that we can think of right now. I went through some procedures to find out what's going on. They didn't find anything. Um, and then they were like, okay, we just have to, we just have to um, keep on looking what's going on here. Uh, and also if you um, have a testicle cancer, it's standard operating procedure that medical personnel monitors your level of testosterone to see if everything is all right. And so they did. And after some weeks, they were like, Okay, it's going up a bit, down a bit, but in the normal limit. So um, after all, we can tell that's just your normal limit. We have to take we have to take a closer look to it over the next months. But it just seems to be what your body is producing. Um, wow. in, in, in everything is uh, standard, yeah. Um, and uh, it happened to be that way. Yeah? So you just naturally have high testosterone levels. Yeah. 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 I would love to get into some specifics of what you enjoy when you are fucking. <laughs> so yeah. let's, let's, let's talk some fucking specifics. So let's talk fucking specifics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fun to say. What do you like? What are your biggest turn ons? I can only give a very general answer to that. And okay. it's um, submissiveness in general. Mm -hmm. Like um, it's such a taboo for men to um, be submissive and um, to. Uh, really surrender to another man mm. and uh i think it's so sexy mm. so it's it's just such a big turn on to see people um react and uh and 
and um, if you uh, do things to them and you can really see that they are uh, feeling well but also are kind of you know overwhelmed what you call subspace what um, I um, call or have been uh, uh, learned to, to 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 call it sissy uh, um, uh, um, bliss mm. um, you know people being really in this bliss like state of, of, of uh, you know just floating away and and, and just uh, surrendering um, and I really love that and I really love every every you know everybody has a different body language and so it's hard to say this and that is so attractive to me it's yeah. just this energy it doesn't really matter how it presents itself yeah. it's just but this energy is just so sexy and it's so extra sexy for me i mean i'm gay so probably that's also a reason why i love it more in men but it's also such a taboo you know and yeah. people really have to you know i don't know in german we say jump over their own shadow I don't know if that's an expression in English, but uh, you really have to drop a lot of what you learned about your gender role as a man to be so submissive. So yeah. um, I really love to see that. And it doesn't matter. Uh, everybody's different and everybody um, shows um, that they are in this state of mind in a different way. And I don't care which kind of way, but I love if people are in that state uh, with me and I love to see and feel. Uh, that's, that's the biggest turn on. Uh, For someone who is interested in what you're saying, but maybe hasn't had the experience of paying very close attention to different partners. Can you tell us a couple of the different physical cues or what you have noticed in the past, just examples? Well, it's all these different things, but it's so hard to pin down because like I said, I can also really enjoy to just have no um, power dynamic going on at all and mm -hmm. just be very, you know, bro-like and, yeah. and, you know, maybe drink some beers, uh, smoke a joint, really talk and relax and, you know, maybe, um, uh, you know, swing your dicks around in a really playful and non-sexual <gasps> way and really literally? laugh a lot and whatnot. Yeah, yeah oh, you know, so I just really fun. love playing. And so it can be really, yeah. really... Um, with no power dynamic at all, I'm very bro-like and I can really enjoy myself as well. And yeah. it can be a great, you know, time well spent. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to say because um, all the things I'm saying are not a must at all. Yeah? So oh, it doesn't yeah. have to be that way. But um, I just think it's so yeah. lovely to know like the platter of experiences. I really love spanking, mm. spitting. Um, I love uh, dirty talk. Mm. Um, although it has to, you know, it has to work the chemistry has to be right sex can be really good without and if people don't respond to it at all some people are just uh, more yeah. on the quiet side and i stop as well so it's it doesn't totally it doesn't have to be but i love that i love um i love grabbing for example grabbing guys at the balls and uh um uh, twisting uh, how do you say yeah squeeze no squeeze a bit and I love, for example, to take guys at the ball, squeeze a bit, and then slowly pull them on my dick, you know, with their ass. Oh, that's hot. Oh, my gosh. You just gave yeah. me an idea for something I want to try now, because I've never put balls on my pussy. I don't have a cock, so I can't try that. But <gasps> that's so hot. It's really hot because, you know, it's these two, two pains at the same time, especially if they're not uh, um, really used to my size or, or, or not used to being, uh, don't have a lot of experience bottoming for another man. Yeah. It can be quite painful, but then there are these two pains at the same time. And it's this play of uh, which one is 
stronger and mm. that, that that's something i really like i can i don't know for example sexy underwear like chalk straps that's yeah. the word i think but also um really playing with the generals and like lingerie and 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 and, and, and stuff like that and uh Fuck yeah. um, say high, high tights tight the word yeah yeah yes i high. what i find really sexy are uh, cock cages if you Cock cages. Like, oh yes. Yeah, it's like a safety belt, but for men. Is that something that you and your long distance partner play with when you were apart? No, actually, that's something that we always wanted to do more, and now we start since he's uh, like uh, we're in a relationship uh, for five years now, and he's been uh, back since a few weeks okay. and has been gone for three and a half, four years. So mm -hmm. we always always wanted to, but now that he's back, we start finally. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's really hard. Though. Can you talk a little bit about what it's been like to be in an open relationship, specifically sexually? But first, on that note, can we hear a little bit about the health and safety conversations that you have with your partners? I don't know. I think I've learned a lot from your podcast about consent and talks about it up front. I always did that a bit, but um, mainly, you know, since I, I don't know, 90% or more of my dates are uh, uh, online dates mm -hmm. uh, through apps and websites. There's always a little bit of talk like, what are you into? Yeah, mm -hmm. And then uh, if, you, if you start talking about that, you very quickly get a broad feeling about what people like and what their boundaries are. And then I don't discuss it in detail because usually I think I have, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's also fun to, to play with it during sex and mm -hmm. to find out. And um, of course, it's a lot of responsibility also. So if you feel a little bit more unsure about um, sex or reading body language, probably talking more about it is a good idea. But I, I also think having sex is one of the best possibilities to uh, get to know another person. I do too. And, uh, and uh, so it's, um, I, I, I'm, sometimes I make these things uh, up on the get-go, but usually you, um, you really very quickly have a feeling about what people like and what their boundaries are, what they're not like and stuff. But like I said, with online dating, you always have a little bit of an overview. Mm. Yeah. And because you live in a small village, do you have to travel far to date people or how does it work? Well, I'm, I was born and raised in Vienna. Mm -hmm. It's a city of two million. Mm -hmm. um, it's two hours away, so it's not too far. Okay. And, you know, my friends and family are there. So usually when I meet new people, it's usually there. Yeah. With the new people you're meeting with date strangers, sex, sex dates, with sex dates, do you typically assume that you're using condoms or is there a situation where you wouldn't? Well, I, I have to say, I, I, I think that even counting my, uh, like, teenage years, of course, when we were children and just, you know, playing very innocently, then there were no condoms involved. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that, that was safe anyways most of the time, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but since that time, I think I can really say that I never had sex in, outside a relationship without a condom. Mm. Great. I can't. Like, you know, there might, might be one or two drunken things that I just miss yeah. at the moment. I'm pretty sure that never, ever happened. And um, I love to um, have people uh, swallow my cum if, uh, if they like, of course. Yeah, yeah. And that's also why I really take care of always using condoms because it makes, you know, if you have a discussion about that, because that's a thing that I always have a discussion about. Yeah. And if you say, listen, I never ever have sex outside a relationship without a condom, but I love that. So if you, if you trust me and you trust that I 
mean what I say. Um, then, um, and it's true that I uh, always use condoms. Otherwise, that makes people more relaxed with that. Mm -hmm. And I love it so much. So it's, uh, it's but very... what about for blowjobs? Yeah. Do you use condoms for blowjobs? No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, most people don't. <laughs> I just uh, always like. And I think I never in my life uh, have I met someone who asked for it or said they yeah. prefer to. So. What is being in an open relationship like? <laughs> um, I really like it, and I, 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 I um, I can't really imagine non-open relationship. Is it monogam? How Monogamy. Do you say Monogamy. Monogamy. Monogamous relationships. I can't really imagine that for a long time. I think I don't. I don't really know since I've only had two relationships in my life, and uh, both my partners were up for open relationships most of the time. Like, but um, I like talking about it a lot. And if people feel uncomfortable, then it happened that we kind of closed it for a few months mm. and and opened it if uh, both partners felt well with that again. I don't know. It's real polyamorous, I think. I would always prefer, I think, to have one rock partner, nesting partner, yeah. whatever you want to call it. That's just um, how I am. I think I would always prefer that. Do you talk about the other people you're fucking with each other? Is that a turn-on for you, or do you mostly keep it separate? It is a turn-on for me. I have to say, in both of my relationships, I have been uh, the partner that had way more with other people than my partners. That's also why I check in a lot, because... Um, I think it's a disbalance that I want to talk a lot about because otherwise it's, uh, it's kind of I'm not feeling very good. But uh, it just happened to be um, that way in both of my relationships. So I can't really tell how it's. Uh, I, I think it's a turn on and I like the stories that I hear. And I can really enjoy also to uh, invite people to have sex with us. Oh, uh, okay. To bring third people in. Yeah. Like I said, we've been in a long distance relationship for a long time. So um, this uh, is only a thing that starts right now. I can't really tell too much about it because there's little experience yet. But uh, it's a thing that I'm very thrilled for and looking forward to. Yeah. Okay, so have you had any group sex experiences in the past? Or is this like the new beginning? A few, I think never a foursome, only threesomes. I think I prefer the intensity of... Uh, one-on-one -on -one meetings, mm, mm -hmm. especially I think with male-on-male uh, -male, uh, power play and power dynamic. Like in a threesome, you for me to feel well, I would always need to take care that um, everybody um, feels well with the situation. Like I've, I, I, I don't have a lot of experience with threesomes. But what I have experienced and what doesn't really feel well if there's like one person um, kind of that feels left out or whatnot. Yeah. So as soon as you're free people, there's a lot of checking in like, okay, um, is everybody feeling all right? Everybody gets their wishes fulfilled or feeling um, recognized and, 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 and uh, um, with two people, um, uh, you don't have to do that so much because it's obvious that it's about the other person and not uh, you don't have this question of uh, you know is, might there one person feeling uh, doubt and uh, there's a there's a couple um, living close to me there are two um, two farmers sons uh, it's very sexy um, <laughs> living quite close to me uh, they're a young couple I don't know mid twenties I think um, and um, I uh, um, I often have a, a threesome with them, and uh, uh, I fuck both of them, uh, one after the other, or uh, back and forth, however it, it develops. 
it's really hot because uh, uh, I think I said that uh, that quite a lot of guys can uh, have asgasms mm -hmm. uh, when I have them. I think it's a body type thing, like not everybody can have them. Yeah. Uh, and they both can. And it's really cool because, how can I say, it's like more than 20%, I think, of my dates. I can't really have sex with them. I don't know, because I'm too big or I mm. don't know, it's the situation's overwhelming or whatnot. And uh, like 15 or 20%, I can just let go and just uh, let it flow and don't have to hold myself back at all. But the majority of, I don't know, 60% or so is, um, is sex where that I can really enjoy, but I have to hold back a lot also. Mm -hmm. That was very hard for me, for example, as a teenager. That's a thing that I really had to learn over the years um, to really enjoy uh, holding back also. Like I said, the biggest turn on for me is just men being like surrendering themselves and really feeling very comfortable in that. And I can really tell you that it's like with the with the gender stereotypes that we learn for men, it can be really hard to do so. And um, and uh, it, if it just works out and there's this free energy flow, it's so cool. And it's so hard for me to see um, that people experience that. So with these uh, <laughs> two farmer boys I talked about, it's really cool because uh, both of them are uh, average built down there, mm -hmm. you could say. So um, they're both really not used to, to me or my size. And, and um, so it's a sex that's really cool for me because it's um, like I really um, I, I don't reach an orgasm just by fucking. And uh, I always have to jerk off after we had sex. Um, mm. uh, and uh, um, both of them usually come without even touching their dicks after, I don't know, sometimes a few seconds or minutes. A few minutes tops, so it's um it's usually not very long. I, wow. Sometimes I fuck, I I I, I fuck the one then the other then the first again, so it's a bit spread out. Uh, usually um it's not going. Uh, I can't fuck them for a long time. It's, it just doesn't work. But both of them come without even touching their cock, so I know they really enjoy it. Yeah, that would probably, and it's really a sex where I. You know, it's, if, if it's just the physical pounding that I do enjoy a lot, I really don't get that out of this sex a lot. But I still love it so much because it's so cool how they both enjoy it and they really make their own partner experience of yeah. it. So it's like just I'm I'm all, I'm just a bit of a I'm more like a background actor even. You know, <laughs> like it's for them. It's a, and they're they're more they're much more talking with each other and taking care of each other while I fuck one of them than with me. Mm. You know, there's more interaction between both of them. Ah, oh, you enjoying it? Is it all right for you? Blah blah blah. And it's so cool because it's really it's 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 one of the of my sexual experiences where this um, creating this space for other people uh, is really more um, much more in focus than my own pleasure. <gasps> But it's so hot to see both of them. And they're really cute with each other, oh. you know. It's a, it's a really cool situation usually. So that I really enjoy a lot. That's so awesome. Do you have any threesome fantasies that you want to fulfill? For example, I am not a gay man. But if I were, definitely part of my threesome fantasy with two other men would be we are all making a circle sucking each other's cocks. Because that just seems so funny and fun and delightful and connected. Do you have any desires like that? Um, no, I'm I'm really very top. Like I, I've 
I don't know. Um, who wait? So do you give blowjobs uh, at all? Do you give? Do you ever give oral? Usually not. No, it really? doesn't usually turn me on. Really. Whoa! Yeah. But um, you like receiving it, right? Yeah, very much. Okay. So. Can yeah. you tell us the details um, of like what you like to receive and how and where and do you order it and do you get deep throated or just tell us about your blowjob preferences, please? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really into blowjobs. Uh, receiving blowjobs. I'm. Um, I think I'm sometimes a tough cum. I don't know if that's because I, I just jerk off a lot or not. Mm. I will hardly ever come from a, from receiving a blowjob. Do you want to come from receiving a blowjob? Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's annoying that it's so hard for me. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. But uh, very often it's, you know, just to get starting or before the fucking. Yeah, and then not, obviously, but sometimes it would be nice also. It's, it's very often that I meet people and they can't really... Um, handle me or my size or is it i don't know it doesn't really work that well and mm. it would be really cool to be able to come more from blowjobs but it's very hard for me usually mm. i hear from talking to other guys that it's also a psychological thing um, oh, yeah. like giving up the control or whatnot i don't really feel that way i'm usually when i get a blowjob or i'm fucking someone's throat i feel in in control so i can't really re relate to that but yeah that's what people say i don't know if that's part of it or not i just know that i'm not it's very hard for me to come receiving mm -hmm. a blowjob yeah. and i love uh, if people can defraud me it's uh, hardly ever really working out but it's not mm -hmm. a problem because i also love teaching it or, or <gasps> that's helping people okay. Yeah, I love that. Um, so if uh, if it's so for me, if it's if if it's if it's really working and I can really fuck someone in the throat, it's really really hot. But if it's not working, it can be just as hot. Yeah. yeah. If if the chemistry is right, because if people love getting taught to deep throat, uh, it's just as hot as well. How do you teach them? Like what? How do you start? It's out? so hard to say. I it's, know, it's, but it's, practice. Try. Just try. It's, yeah. It's well. The most important thing is to get people really turned on. People have to want to be able to do it otherwise yes. it will not yeah uh, if yes. you're just uh, overwhelm people it will not work and do you think there's a difference between wanting to because you want to please your partner and like wanting to because you're so aroused and now your throat yeah. is open oh yeah. yeah oh yeah the one will not work and the other one will so yeah. it, the difference is very very big in, in my opinion yeah and um so it helps to get people really um turned on about it mm -hmm. Uh, tease them a lot, a lot of foreplay, whatnot. Then uh, teaching people to defraud for me is, 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 is um, it's, it's the mixture of uh, making them feel comfortable, but also overwhelm them and kind of um, stretch their limits and just uh, going over the limits sometimes also, but not too much. So they start feeling uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. then it's this dance with the limit of how much they can take and just escalate it continuously. Mm -hmm. And then how do you figure that out? body language, tuning in with the partner, just feeling, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I really love very rough throat fucking and deep throating. So people um, have a gag a lot, but also vomited sometimes. But it's um, usually if you're with a partner where you, I mean, if you're stretching somebody's limits, um, then both people know what's going on. And yeah. so usually, if usually there is an atmosphere of i'm not grossed out of course and 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 um every time it has happened i think it was really okay for both both partners that it just is a thing that can happen you know mm -hmm. yeah what I, I i like i love to um take uh people's uh, head and uh, shove them on my cock mm -hmm. and uh, with um, you get permission ahead of time 
Um, for that, no. Um, I figure it out on the way, and I start with like little movements, and you usually you can just tell if people are turned off or turned on by it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it um, sounds like you if, can if tell. Unclear, if it's unclear, I always ask. Great. Yeah. Um, and uh, if I um, I don't know if if the connection is in a way that uh, I cannot really read the body language, I would also ask always. But I think that's always if the if if the chemistry between two people is really good, that usually for me involves um, having the same approach to body language in a way that I can read them easily. Like people that yeah. I can read very hard and have no idea what's going on down there. That usually means the chemistry is not so good anyways, yeah. which is okay. Not everybody clicks, you know. Of course. To... And if I'm understanding you correctly and remembering what you said earlier, you've talked a little bit about preferences. So even if you don't explicitly sure, sure. say, so can I'm... I grab your head? Yeah. They yeah, know that, you're dominant. Yeah. And so there's uh, some... Exactly. And yeah. I would also ask, like, uh, I love uh, deep protein. Um, can you do that? Do you, do you know yeah. how to? Do you like it? Would you like to learn stuff like that? Yeah. I always talk about it. Um, and then if, if, if you if you talk about these boundaries, uh, the question is, is it all right if I take your head and push it down a bit is usually not necessary because you can just figure it out from the from the, from the rest of the injury that you have. I also love to push people's head against the wall or get the bed, against the bed frame or so, so they can't really move anywhere and uh, fuck them then. I have a cool deep road story if you'd like. Um, yes, I would I, love. I... Uh, in fact, uh, uh, a very cute guy, I don't know, half a year ago or so, um, he's a professional horse rider, which is really sexy, I think. Did he have an amazing <laughs> ass and legs? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like He um, was a, a, a cute, small boy with the ass of a rugby player or whatnot. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, awesome. <laughs> And very, you could just feel that his whole uh, hip muscles are very, very trained and everything. Uh, but uh, he could take it surprisingly well when we were fucking, but uh, he was really not very good at deep protein yet, but mm. he said he really, he really loves it. And, and so we started to go for it. And um, it took a long time and, uh, and, and we were going for it at a long time. And uh, he managed to take it deeper and deeper. And he was laying on his back, uh, and I was uh, on my knees above him, and uh, uh, starting slowly, but ready to fuck him in the throat. And he could take it deeper and deeper. And after a long time, he could finally really take my whole cock. And uh, it's like not for a very long time, I don't know, yeah. a few seconds or so. But when it was first in, like completely in, and my balls pressing against his uh, lips. Uh, he immediately started to come. Oh, wow. He wasn't even touching his cock. He was just coming from uh, from taking my whole cock. And that was really, really, really fucking hot. Yeah, was, that um, is so yeah. hot. Yeah, I, I, I um, have experienced lots of um, guys having asgasms without um, uh, touching their uh, their cocks. I, uh, I love to call it sissygasm. Um, oh, I uh, I love that. But, uh, but I, I don't know. I think it's the only time I have experienced someone coming just from uh, uh, getting deep frozen. That's amazing. And just to clarify for our listeners who maybe are having trouble picturing it in their heads, you were on your knees over him. Which direction were you facing? Like, were you facing towards, towards him? Towards, towards uh, his to, cock? Toward, like, towards his whole body. Got yeah. it. 
Got it. If, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, that's the best, that's easiest what, that's angle. The best angle. Yeah. 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 Um, if you're facing in a way that you just see their face, but their whole body is behind you. That's tough. It can even hurt because my cock gets bent a lot. And also it's much hard for the, for the guy um, uh, defrosting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have them lay with their head hanging off the bed and then you throat fuck them yes. where you're kind of standing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's, uh, yeah, it's really hot, yeah. And it's uh, it's the best for beginners, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Okay, what else? I have another blowjob story. One of my uh, longtime fuck buddies, years ago, so we, we, we knew for some time at the time, but not uh, very long maybe. Uh, but in Vienna, there's this uh, big public outdoor bath with many different pools and water slides and whatnot and um, uh, it was close to where i lived at the time and uh, i knew a place to uh, climb over the fence at night if it's empty uh, <gasps> this is and this is the setting of one of my great fantasies i love it is, it is, oh my god okay i didn't i didn't take many people there but but i think a few because it was just oh. a perfect place you know you had this whole bath with with many different pools and all the, of course the water slides were not on yeah. they weren't turned off at night but we had this whole uh, huge area for ourselves and uh, we just chilled and smoked and fucked several times and uh, and he gave me a blowjob um, several times on this huge uh, you know this lifeguard tower this big lifeguard tower in the middle of the whole thing oh. and you know there during the day there are these lifeguards uh, on this I'm I'm sure there's the same white plastic chairs all yes. over the world. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, these white plastic typical chairs. Um, and there were two of them there. And during the day, there are the uh, lifeguards, big boss of the whole area, and they're sitting there. And I was just sitting there, and he was sucking on my cock, and it was uh, it was just a very nice location. That's awesome. That was really cool. Um, and I was like, ah, if the if the guys that come do their lifeguard shift tomorrow if they would only knew yeah. i was <laughs> gonna really say hot. yeah I, that's hot but it's also hot in the future because like anytime you go to that bath now it's like that's in your memory and for me anytime like looking at anyone up there i'd be like you don't know what i did on that chair <laughs> you know i think yeah, that's just yeah, so yeah, fun yeah. Yeah, that's true yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I like cool places if, if it happens. Uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, um, you know, some people like the risk of getting caught. I'm not too much into that. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't give me anything. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, cool places can be really nice. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, do you have any other cool places that you can share? Yeah, another cool place, for example, there was uh, in, in Vienna, there's this very big um, street market with many these little small wooden huts mm -hmm. where there's where they sell stuff, I don't know how to call them, market stands or yeah. booths or whatnot, um, where they sell different forms of uh, food and groceries. And uh, uh, it's uh, it's closed at night, of course, so the stand, uh, market uh, stalls are closed, but um, but it's uh, in the middle of the city uh, and it's a huge area with many of those stands. And uh, uh, one of my, if not even the first time I went into a gay bar to pick someone up, uh, we ended up there between the market stalls and he was giving me a blowjob and it was, uh, that was really hot. Also. Oh, that's fun. Um, and of course, since I'm, uh, you know, I'm an outdoor and survival uh, trainer and a farmer and I'm living in the middle of the Alps. So, uh, um, I would have many, many, at many occasions, um, I was, uh, you know, chilling at the bonfire, seeing the 
mountain summits all around me, getting my cock sucked. That's always a very nice, uh, very, very nice. <laughs> it's beautiful. Setting. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Have you ever been with a partner who had a small penis? And did you do you talk about that at all? Does it come up? How do you um, communicate about it? I do. I do. Um, it's um, like I said, I usually um, with most of my sexual encounters, I don't even have a lot of contact or even touch the yeah yeah I guess, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter as much if you're a top huh yeah it, well it very much depends on what kind of sex you like but the way i love to fuck it usually it doesn't really yeah mm-hmm. um so um usually i don't really have contact so much but i really love a uh, size difference mm. it can be really hot <gasps> huh? uh, who have you ever taken cool uh, pictures with a size difference yeah oh i love that <laughs> And um, and uh, I also love pictures, for example, with me and the other guy in the cock cage, which oh, is really hot. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, I uh, um, so um, and if if the size difference is uh, uh, very big, if my partner is um, more on the small side, it can be uh, really hot to bring that into um, you know the power play. But uh, and I'm really sensitive with that topic, so that's the thing that I really, um, I really try to tread lightly on that. Yeah, and, well, that's, and, 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 that's exactly what I'm curious about because I've yeah. I've spoken with someone, someone that I was talking to, really liked being told that his penis was very very small, but I never would have initiated that if he hadn't said anything about it because I wouldn't have known yeah. how. I can totally understand. I would never just uh, jump into the topic and say, "Why well, your cock is small?" Yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's not very friendly. Um, I, I have no idea how would I how how I would approach a topic if I were a woman. Mm. Um, since I'm a man with a penis, it's um, more easy for me probably because, for example, I can just uh, hold our penises close mm. to each other. Mm-hmm. And then see how the other person reacts to that. Yeah. Mm. If, if, if you can just see that they shut up a bit, uh, shut down a bit or, or just withdraw energy yeah. wise, I don't know how to say. Yeah. Um, then you can see, OK, this is a sensible topic. Yeah. If, if you can see that it really turns them on to see the size difference, then you can start talking about it. And yeah. then I say, then I say stuff like, wow, I, I, the size difference really turns me on and see if they mm. say, yeah, me too. Or if they say, oh, I don't know what to say about that. And then, yeah. so you can just work your way up to that, you know? Um, yeah. Oh. Is there anything else we need to hear before I ask my wrap up questions, stories? Um, I have another cool story. Yeah, yeah if you, um, I do. If, uh, um, uh, there was a guy visiting me on the farm. Um, we met in Vienna once uh, and uh, then found out that he's a friend of a friend and stuff. And and uh, we really had a very good talk and very good sex. So it was very enjoyable in every um, in every way. Yeah. And um, uh, then he was writing me uh, that he's hiking in the mountain ridge close to here. And um, if he could uh, just come here. Uh, in the evening, it was uh, uh, at the time where we um, renovated one of the buildings here, and uh, so I had three Polish construction workers living in uh, the house next to the living house here. Ah. Yeah, so he was visiting, and uh, and we started off in my bedroom mm-hmm. um, that is on the far side of the house, so <laughs> you don't hear everything, but. Uh, 
the door is it's a 300 year old door so you can hear everything through it and um, and <laughs> and it's a wooden door with many holes you know um and and the construction workers uh, didn't have a kitchen over there so they were cooking in my house and i was like okay fuck if they come in the house cooking later on then they will hear everything so let's just uh, switch rooms and we switch room to here oh, um, it's a kind of a living room where it's a, i don't know how to describe this I, i'm in a living room right yeah. now yeah. yeah and uh i started uh to fuck the guy on the sofa here it was really intense very hot sex um uh, uh you know it was just the chemistry was just right we <laughs> it was it was working in sex it was working in outside sex we just um i don't know it was just working and uh, he was laying on his back with his uh, feet up and uh i was above him and uh i don't know i was really pounding him hard for an hour or longer and it was really loud screaming it was you could hear it everywhere <laughs> and i didn't even care about that at the time anymore and um i, I, I I changed room so we don't make so much noise, so the construction workers won't hear us. But of course, I forgot that the windows here are really <laughs> bad, and they, and they were having a barbecue on the roof of their house. Um, so, um, and it was so cool because <laughs> afterwards, it's you know, many, many stories are funny if you look yeah. uh, look back. Yeah, yeah, but in the but then uh, and then after I don't know one hour, one and a half hour, heart pounding and him screaming a lot. Um, we finally stopped and uh, both of us came really loud and um, we really you know, just sank down and, so, and immediately turned into cuddling and both of us were really exhausted mm. and into that silence suddenly you could hear like <laughs> and the three guys on the next on the roof next uh, on the next house were just cheering for us and we're like yeah <laughs> And that is amazing. That is glorious. Was a bit embarrassing. And I was later on. I was really like, okay, what are they? Are they gonna say anything when we meet? Uh, because um, we used the same kitchen and often ate together. Yeah, the construction workers and me. And um, and I was going down like, oh God, what's? Uh, are they gonna say anything? And uh, uh, there was nobody said anything. One of the guys just came to me like. Wink, wink. <laughs> that's, that's everything that happened, <laughs> and uh, oh. everybody was. But they all were in a good mood. I think they were still like uh, laughing inside a little bit. It was that's funny. Amazing! Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. So many good stories. I think it's time. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age would you pick, and what would you say? I thought about that a lot because you ask it to all the people that you talk to, and it's um it's not really easy to say. Um, mm. yeah, I uh, uh, because it would probably be a very very long talk, you know, so it's hard to break it down. Um, but um, I would probably um, mainly uh, tell younger me to just relax. You know, when mm. you're a teenager, you have the feeling that right now you have to figure out how you are the rest of your life. Mm. You know, be like going to change all the time there's you, there are going to be so many different things that you like and um just relax try one thing at a time if you like it it's cool but it doesn't identify who you are and uh you can like many different things and and, and just just uh playfully go in one meeting after the other and just see what happens and that's that beautiful 
probably something like that. Love, 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 love. Do you have a sex question for me? Yeah, since I listen to your podcast a lot, I know that you identify more as a kinky submissive. Um, Is uh, dominating another person in sex uh, uh, interesting for you at all? Not at all? Is there something you could like about it? Yes. If I, well, okay, I don't know for sure. (laughs) I suspect that if I met the right person, And if I were in a relationship where I'm also allowed to seek sexual gratification in other relationships. So that is to say, I think if I were in an open relationship, I could find a lot of pleasure and satisfaction pleasing someone as a top. But for me, it's always from the point of view of, you know, kind of what you're saying about like watching the person closely and like bringing that pleasure and I think for me, it's about knowing that they would want me to be in control. I can be in control. Like, I'm very good at uh, paying attention to everything and, like, figuring out things and being in the moment or planning ahead, depending on whatever they're more comfortable with. I think I could have lots of fun doing that, provided it's someone that I have attraction to and chemistry for. If I were just going to find a hookup somewhere, like, I'm not going to do all that work. Like, to me, topping is work. Like, the idea of it is a fuck ton of work. You have to pay so much attention. It's so much responsibility. I think most people don't take it as seriously as it sounds like, you know, you do. And I don't mean serious. (laughs) I know that people are like, oh, you love rules. No, I know you understand. But to be clear, like, it's just about holding the responsibility. And because I hold so much responsibility in my life, I would only want to do that with someone who I cared about and so I for me it wouldn't be a hookup but it would definitely be something that if I met someone and they wanted that I absolutely can see it happening but I would be very scared to do any impact play without a good amount of research on my own part so if I were going to hit someone or flog someone or use a whip like I would want to take my time and actually learn about it and I would probably ask a lot of questions to my submissive because I am so conscientious or for my own nervousness to relax i would need to ask lots of questions but fuck yeah (laughs) oh daniel thank you so much for being on the show thank you thank you for hosting the show it's a great show if people want to get in touch with you how do they find you they could find me on facebook my name there is uh, daniel lobo l-o-b-o i'm the guy with well you see my back and and the mountain you so it's easy to to recognize i guess nice awesome